Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Tempo Talks. My name is Aaron. And I'm Ryan. And boy, do we have one for you today. We're talking all about Ryan's experience at the Western States 100 Endurance Run. It's going to be a good time. A lot of laughs, a lot of tears, a lot of unexpected things that happen. But overall, I think a lot of lessons learned. I just said a lot, a lot of times. <laughs> but uh, but we're going to have a good conversation. So sit back, relax, uh, grab a beverage of choice, and enjoy this episode of Tempo Talks. Welcome to the show, Ryan. How are you doing, man? How's it going? I'm doing good. It's about time we got something out about Western States. Uh, for everybody yes. out there, we we did record a recap episode, and uh, unfortunately, due to, due to some technical difficulties, it no longer exists or never existed. Yeah, I think. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, we've we've had a few technical glitches uh, with the software that we use. Uh, it's you know they have an app in beta. We've recorded with the app a couple times. Turns out that that backfired on us. So if you heard a little bit of a difference in our Kafuzi episode that we posted uh, uh, recently, then you know that like there was a few issues. But we're back. We're better than ever. Uh, we've got it all situated, and we have a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. But many of you have asked, sent us messages, um, and you know, even uh, local run meetups. People have been asking me, like, "Hey, how's Ryan doing? What's going on with Ryan? What's next on his agenda?" You know, and I'm like, "I don't know. I'm not his mom or his coach, but you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding." Uh, but um, but the people care. The people want to know like how your race was. So I'm excited to unpack a little bit in a shorter episode today about how western states did so let's start off just by the basics of how are you doing you're back to running you're um you're crushing some segments and things like that here in the area lately and doing some workouts so how are you feeling i'm feeling pretty good i wouldn't say back to 100 percent yet um really interesting i was injured for the few months after the bandera 100k and then had a really compressed buildup to Western States over like the last two months getting ready for it where we really just had to focus on the things that were going to get me to Western States ready to handle the course, which meant a lot of climbing, a lot of hills, a lot of trail work, and not quite as much speed as we probably would have implemented in a longer buildup. So right now I'm working to re-implement that speed work, doing you know two speed sessions per week, strides and hills two times per week. And it's definitely kicking my butt right now, especially in the in the yeah. summer here in Texas. Uh, and yeah, because it, you know, really it had been since late 2020 that I had put a really good focus on that before the Bandera 100K. So it's it's mm -hmm. really nice to get back to that though, and again start to feel fast again. And then I know that yeah. in the fall I'll be able to translate that back to the trails yet again once I step out on the course but feeling good feeling healthy fully recovered from western states um at least the 55 percent of it that I did complete <laughs> <laughs> 
how how are how's the uh the mental side of it going it was your first 100 uh i know a lot of times folks experience a big race um whether the result or the outcome is good or bad there's been a lot of conversation lately about the mental aspects and the emotional you know toil of being a professional runner having a positive or a negative outcome and kind of the the fall that happens after that when you're not really necessarily focused on anything specific and you're just kind of uh, riding the wave of whatever happened have you have you felt like you're in a good headspace as far as the training is concerned and um, just overall how you feel about what you learned and and what happened at western states i i am i think i mean no doubt i'm disappointed about how the day turned out Mm -hmm. and i think i was ready to have a pretty good day out there but it it was also going to be a pretty steep learning curve having only yeah. the Bandera hundred K under my belt as far as ultra trail experience goes, never having done an ultra in the mountains, um, not having seen the first 30 miles of the course before there was a lot of stuff I needed to learn and experience before getting out there that, you know, just due to, uh, again, the limited buildup. And also I'd only really been focusing on the trails for the past year, uh, leading up to that, that, it was going to be a trial by fire and it certainly was. And Mm -hmm. then compound that with the fact that my son Maverick got sick right before we headed out, picked up something from daycare. We think it was hand, foot and mouth. And the doctor concurred with us when we talked to them on the phone just because of some of the rashes he was having. And then I started picking up some similar symptoms, not hand, foot and mouth, like not rashes, but the, the congestion, the headaches, just feeling achy. Uh, yeah. like three days before the race, super, super unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And then I think my, uh, my coach, David Roche put it best when I was texting him, he said, uh, pray for a miracle, um, plan to finish. And that was kind of my mindset going yeah. into it. Like, it's going to be tough. You're already like low energy, but Hey, go out there and give it the best shot you have. And I feel, yeah. I feel like I did that. Uh, we'll, we'll get yeah. into it and talk about like my mindset at certain points in the race, but Honestly, if you would have been out there and seen me uh, between miles 20 and 30, you wouldn't have believed that I would have even made it to 55. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's actually kind of what I heard because I was chatting with, you know, Dale Londos, who was out there with you and Cal Neff and um, even uh, exchanged a message or two with Lacey. And all of them were kind of saying the same thing. Like it's, uh, you know, he's been sick and we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And, the, and, the, and, and then you, you get to an aid station, you're a little wrecked and, but walk out of it anyway, you know? So, <laughs> um, so I mean, you never can know. I, for one sympathize with the child sickness, you know, and our listeners know probably that I have three kids myself. We were actually going through hand, foot and mouth at the same time. Um, so, uh, two of my kids got it. And so, and we're all sick right now too, or we've been sick. Um, but so I get that. So, so everything leading up to this, because you can never, you can never plan for just a random virus or sickness to happen, you know, just like the world couldn't plan necessarily for COVID, but it happened and we all dealt with the ramifications of that, but you can't, always prepare or train for a virus, you know, or a sickness leading up to a race. So taking that out of the equation and thinking about that, you know, or not thinking about that, how did you feel going into the race? Because I'm always curious about the mindset of elites 
you know, as they're lining up on the starting line, what kind of doubt creeps in, what kind of concerns about maybe injury or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just wondering how you felt like in the moment, you know, in the days leading up to it, before you got sick, before Mav got sick, like, um, what was your headspace like? And did you feel like, Hey, if, if I can figure out the hundred mile distance, like I've got a legitimate shot at making a, a wave or a splash here. Yeah. I think it ties back to my preparation those last two months leading up to it, which went frankly pretty flawlessly. Uh, I was slowly building up the amount of vert I was putting in each week and I capped it with, I think I got up, up above 20,000 feet of climbing here in San Antonio in one week with a rest day. Which, if you think about how much, <laughs> it's not easy to accumulate vert here in San Antonio unless you go to a few very specific places. Especially when you think about mm-hmm. averaging, you know, three and a half, four thousand feet of climbing per day. Uh, that's tough. So I was hitting up like the same hills at Friedrich Park at the Power Lines uh, on my treadmill, doing some tread hill sessions where. I was doing some combo hike and running at like 15% incline, which mm-hmm. I think a 15% incline gives you about 800 feet per mile. So that's, that's like really steep. That's basically climbing a mountain uh, in your house. Mm-hmm. But uh, doing all of that, I also did some specific heat training where I was doing my run here in San Antonio. And most of the time I was still trying to get out early in the morning because it was hot. But then after the run, I would go to my local gold gym and get in the sauna for 20 to 30 yeah. minutes at anywhere from 175 to 190 degrees. And it was a wet sauna. So there was some humidity in there too. And let me tell you, like <laughs> minutes 15 to 30 in the sauna are even mm-hmm. way more painful than any workout I did. Honestly. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you feel okay the first five minutes and then it just slowly starts to creep on you. And the craziest part is I would ha- I would always keep my watch on when I was in there and I would look at my heart rate and it would be normal at a normal resting rate going in, right? Maybe like 50 to 60, something like that. And then just I would see it slowly creeping up over the time. And by the end, my heart rate would be up at like 115, 120 beats per minute, which is like my easy run yeah. heart rate that I typically have. But I was literally right. just sitting there. So <laughs> your body is working extra hard to to keep you cool in there. And I was even chatting with uh, David Roche about it and, you know, how people kind of taking the heat training too far and actually showing signs of, like, mild heart attacks if they stay too long in the sauna, which I could totally get wow. with how hard your heart has to work when you're just sitting there yeah. like that. But tying that back to your yeah. question, how I felt going in, amazing. I started my taper about two weeks out from Western States because really putting all the work is more about making sure I got to the starting line feeling healthy and energized. And by the time I hit Monday, the week of the race, I went for a six mile run at Government Canyon, did my last sauna session and just, I mean, felt like a million bucks. And I did my run like in the middle of the day here in Texas in June. So it was, you know, 90 degrees or whatever. Yeah. And I felt ready to go. Uh, and that's not to say yeah. that like a six mile run means I'm going to feel amazing at mile 80 of Western States or something like that. Not the case, but yeah. I had a lot of extra energy. I felt refreshed. I felt mentally energized and ready to go. And unfortunately it was the next day when like the symptoms started coming of that sickness. Um, and I think yeah. with that too, 
I think my mindset did turn negative uh, once I started getting sick. Yeah. I, I really like wanted to feel perfect. I felt like I felt going into Bandera and how I felt out there that day. And I was not feeling that way. Traveling up there, try, getting terrible sleep, feeling awful. And it not only hurt me physically, but it definitely hurt me emotionally and mentally um, getting on the starting line. It was tough knowing that I was not feeling good before I even took the first step on that course. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I just, I can't imagine, you know, having to, having to reconcile that when you feel so great, you know, I, I have a similar experience with, with the woodlands where I just mm -hmm. felt super fit, fittest ever. And then had this injury flare up and, it's like, man, I can run so well right now compared to previous records. But so you have all the heat training. Um, let's talk about what you knew about the course going into it, because Western States is one of those. It can be a beautiful disaster in a sense, you know, where it's an amazing course. You don't know what the high country is going to be like until, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before. Uh, and then, you know, that it can get very hot. It is in June. Um, so the heat training, what specific parts of the course were you thinking about and looking at, um, you know, to, to help you get through the training that you were doing here in the very hot Texas summer and what made you focus on that, um, a lot, you know, as, as you were preparing for that? I was mainly thinking about the canyons, which the canyons are starting from Robinson flat at mile 30 all the way, sorry, not Rob or. Yeah, Robinson Flat, mile 30, all the way to Forest Hill at mile 62. You go through, like, mm -hmm. three distinct, like, descents and climbs, like, multiple thousand feet um, on each one. And I did that. That was the first day of the training camp that I went to over Memorial Day weekend in May. And so that's what I was thinking about and envisioning when I was doing the training here in San Antonio was that's the middle of the day in Western states, the hottest time. The canyons are blazing because they just uh, – Kind of like contain the heat in there. Kind of like you think about like the Grand Canyon, um, how hot it is at, yeah. the at the bottom of that, especially in the summer. And then how steep some of those climbs were and the descents. Um, so when I was out on mm -hmm. power lines doing it, you know, four times over, I was thinking about that. And like, okay, I'm going to be tough on the climb up to Devil's Thumb and Michigan Bluff and the descents and yeah. getting back up to Forest Hill at mile 62. And, you know, really envisioning feeling strong over the course of that. Um, and I think that's what gets us through a lot of these tough training days. Cause yeah, like going out and doing 24 miles on a super rocky trail in the middle of the Texas summer is it's hard. It is really freaking yeah. hard. And it's, sometimes it's hard to get motivated to get out there and do it. Um, but everybody's different. And for me, the motivation comes with envisioning how that training day is going to steal me to be ready to take on the challenges of race day and have the day that I'm yeah. dreaming about there. And of course I all like, I'm like any human. I still have momentary lapses of like, this sucks and not packing it in, but like mentally giving up on the day sometimes too. But yeah. those are few and far between as I remember my why. And it's like, I want to be the best version of myself in this dream race. I've yeah. prepared so long to get ready for. Totally. So you have, um, 
you have you get there you you're there on the starting line feeling confident but also recognizing that you're dealing with this sickness what was that moment like where you're looking around and you're seeing like Jim Walmsley Hayden Hawks you know uh, uh, Jared Hazen Matt Daniels your teammate you know and all these guys that have been epically successful in mountain races and in hundred milers and even a couple record holders, obviously the course record holder in Jim, second fastest course record holder in Jared. Like, did you feel, I mean, were you a little bit starstruck in a way? Because I can imagine that maybe it's only rivaled by uh, running the marathon trials, which you've done the Olympic marathon trials, but I can't imagine another scenario or another setting where you're just surrounded by that much greatness in the sport. Uh, Tim Tollefson as well. Like what did that feel like? And, and, uh, as, as you started up that first climb in the escarpment, like how, how were you processing that? You know, it felt strangely low key actually. And I think it was just because the, the environment of, of trail running and ultra running, it is such a small community. And even for a race like Western States, right, there's 369 participants each year, plus their crew and media and spectators and people like that. So um, it wasn't it wasn't quite the atmosphere of what, what an Olympic marathon trials would feel like and being sectioned off from the crowd and security everywhere and cameras all around you and sure there were some cameras at Western States, but it was more like, you know, I see Jim giving like a fist bump to Eric Sensman and a couple of my Nike teammates chatting over there on the side. And then the rest of the field is literally just right behind us, just like talking and like excited about the day, you know? So that actually calmed me down a little bit. I was like, Oh, okay. Like this isn't as hype as maybe I had envisioned it would be based on my road running experience. Still really exciting. And then once we got up the escarpment uh, or started going up the escarpment, which is the first, you know, three plus miles climbing to the top of the ski resort um, that it starts at called Olympic Valley. The uh, as soon as we got on a steep section, everybody started walking, which was was so funny because, you know, (laughs) you never envisioned like the very beginning of race just walking. But you have to parse out your effort over the course of the day. And I think. Hayden Hawks and Jim were the only ones that like ran the whole thing up to the top and they crested and ran well out in front of everybody at the beginning. Um, and there's, there's a few chasers up there, but the rest of us just kind of stuck together and walked. I shouldn't say walk like power hiked fast. The majority of that first climb up to the top. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you have any indication or any like pull to, chase after maybe not Jim and Hayden because I mean you kind of know what they're going into what their mindset is going into it but do you, did you have any desire to be pulled along by some of those guys that were pushing up faster because uh, I think a lot of people can relate to the, the idea of going out too fast in a race and like not having the discipline to hold back um, or did you just you were dialed in and what you were supposed to do and and not concerned about it I wasn't really too concerned about it. I talked, again, like a couple days before, talked with my coach, David Roche, about the strategy of the race. And essentially for me, right, I wasn't necessarily going for the win, uh, which if you're going to do that at a race like Western States, you do have to take some chances, right? Because there's going to be other guys that take chances, and 
most of them will probably blow up, but some of them won't. And those are the ones that are kind of finished, you know, on the podium. But we talked about trying yeah. to find some other like-minded folks, especially on the course in the first 30 miles. And David said, hey, Drew Holman's a great guy to be looking out for. Like, he's really well prepared for this, and he uh, really knows his body well. And, of course, you know Drew finished third at the race. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was keeping my eye out for Drew. Unfortunately, he he did get out pretty quick because he was running fifth and sixth place through the first 30 miles. So he was up yeah. there. I was with Tyler Green, actually, for like through like mile past mile 20, who actually ended up finishing second. So he went out even more conservative than me, came from behind me and caught me maybe like mile 12. And I rolled with him for a while um, and Eric Sinsman. Yeah. So that was really interesting to uh, seeing the results after the race of like knowing like, oh man, like Tyler, there's even some f- pictures of Tyler Green hiking with the women who are behind all the majority yeah. of the men up the escarpment. So he was quite a ways back taking it easy at the start. Um, yeah. I think that answers your question, right? I don't even remember what you asked. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, just about the <laughs> desire to be pulled along. So you, it sounds like you just kind of hung in and, and did your thing that you were supposed mm-hmm. to be doing and tagged along with some other guys that were doing a similar thing. So, um, so it sounded like the race, uh, started pretty disciplined and like you were ready to just do your own thing, run your own race. But at what point, uh, did you realize that, okay, we've talked about the tough times, but like, okay, now my day is, is probably over and like, I'm recon- reconciling this in, in your mind. Whew. It's tough to relive this memory. It kind of hurts to think about um, because you never know when you'll be able to get back to Western States. Mm -hmm. But it was really between Duncan Canyon, which is the mile 24 aid station, and Robinson Flat, which is the mile 30 aid station. Like I felt okay enough coming into Duncan Canyon. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could have kept going. I told my crew like I wasn't feeling amazing there. Um, But... I was still going to continue on. There was no consideration of dropping out at that point or anything. But, man, when I went down after Duncan Canyon and the climb up to Robinson Flat, it was probably like, I don't know, 1,500-foot climb over three miles or something like that. Uh, I started feeling really, really terrible, like mm-hmm. to the point where I had I really had to start walking. Uh, stomach was starting to turn on me a little bit. Uh, I had probably about three or four women pass me at that point, and they were rolling, I mean – as you, if you kept up with the results, the women had like their best run ever yeah. at Western States crazy. this year. Uh, so it's pretty impressive to see Beth Pascal and some of the other international women come by me before even Robinson flat. But when I sat down there, uh, and met my crew at mile 30, it was rough. <laughs> like I sat down, I started shaking. Like I had like hypothermia, Yeah, which has happened to me in the past, but it's only happened to me after races. Like when I like really just went to the well and pushed yeah. my body really hard. And that's scary. That happened to me at Bandera. It did? Yeah. yeah. And just like you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Bandera, it was cold though. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Here, it was, I mean, it was probably like 60, 65 degrees at that point. It was not cold at all. And I was yeah. not physically cold, but I was having like a hypothermic type reaction. Right. Um, and so at that point, like I... I mean, I couldn't consume anything. Um, I actually started <laughs> crying a little bit, mm-hmm. just like going through the emotional stages yeah. of grief already. And I had told my crew, like, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. I have 70 more miles to go potentially. And I feel 
as bad as I ever have after my hardest races already. Um, and of course I'm talking all nasally cause I can't even breathe, breathe out my nose right. at this point. So they were just trying to calm me down. Like, Hey, like it's okay. You can take as much time as you need here. You know, like trying to help shift my mindset from one of like, you're going to go and try and win this thing, finish top five, top 10, whatever to like, let's have a positive experience out here. And I, I love them eternally for trying to shift my mindset and keep me in a positive place who was it there with you at that point it was a big crew was it like um, cal drew everyone? cal uh Lacey. Dr- cal drew lacy baby maverick uh who was like reaching out to try and like, get with me it was really cool uh lacy's parents uh dale londos was there so I've, the whole gang was there the whole gang was there except my parents lauren wilson and bridget young's were actually they were doing the other aid stations leapfrogging uh i felt really bad for dale though dale you know, at Pandera, he was so instrumental to helping me overcome, like, little cramps and, like, a tight calf yeah. or hamstring. Here, he's like, is there anything I, I can work on? You know, he flew all the way out there to help me. Yeah. And I was like, no. <laughs> I just told him, like, my my legs feel okay. I'm not cramping up. Nothing feels tight. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good. My right. energy levels are, are just, you know, completely bottoming, bottoming out right now. Yeah. Uh, so I sat there for probably 40 minutes. Uh, at Robinson Flat and just let my body come back to homeostasis. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they were telling me at the same time, like Matt Dan, same thing was happening to Matt Daniels, um, which didn't really help my mindset at all. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, well, at least I'm not the only one suffering out here. So I, I sat there for a while. Eventually, I was able to get some fluids down. Eventually, I took a gel with some caffeine. Um, I changed out my socks. I had a couple of blisters that were started pop ups. I put some, uh, I think, call it trail toes yeah, yeah. down there. And my crew just like pushed me out. And I just took off walking <laughs> out yeah. of Robinson Flat. And luckily, after that, it's very easy running, like a lot of downhill. Um, yeah. Probably for like the next 10 miles, honestly. And I started to pick up some momentum again. I actually connected with Pat Reagan. I caught up to him, who had finished topped i think he finished eighth the year before and i rolled with him probably for like six or seven miles mm-hmm. uh, we were just talking i was feeling better than i was at robinson flat uh unfortunately when i got to the top of devil's thumb which was that was like mile 48 so that was like 18 miles later mm-hmm. i was back in that hypothermia state again yeah. um, except probably even worse and i didn't have a crew there so i just laid on a cot mm-hmm. and just laid on a cot until I could move again for about (laughs) 45 minutes. But it was at Robinson flat. I knew I'm in trouble today. This is, this may not be the day I I'm dreaming of. I think the crazy part though is is I made it to uh, Michigan bluff mile 55. So I went 25 more miles after literally feeling like I was dying. That's crazy. That the worst I've ever almost ran a hundred K. I mean, Close to it, yeah. yeah. It took a long time. I was out there for like 14 hours still. Which <laughs> Bandera took me, to give it context, I was at Bandera I ran in eight hours and ten minutes. Right. Uh, this one I was out there for like, literally Jim Walmsley was almost finishing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> crazy. You were, it's crazy because your Western States experience has a lot of parallels to my Bandera experience and the, even the time out there. I think I was, I dropped at mile 52 and I think it was like, 14 hours almost Mm -hmm. or pretty close to it so that was an interesting um 
I don't know. It's just an interesting comparison, <laughs> but so everyone knows, I mean, we already, we talked about it briefly in the Kafuzi episode and like we've mentioned it, but everyone knows kind of what happened. You ultimately had to drop at Michigan, uh, Bluff. Michigan Bluff. Yeah, mile 55. And so, um, you know, I guess it was a learning experience. What are some lessons that you took away um, just kind of from that, from the first experience out there? Man, uh, number one, be super patient early on. Like mm-hmm. I talked about earlier about Tyler Green and uh, Drew Holman. Like it's a long, long, long race. Long race. Yeah. And the last 20 miles count as much as the first 20 miles. And that's really hard, I think, to think about, especially when you're coming from my background and just haven't had that experience before. Like, you want to be in it from the start. You feel like if you're 10, 15, 20 minutes back at any point, like, your day's over. You'll never catch that person. But, I mean, towards the end, people are spending just as much time as I was in the aid stations. Guys in the top five, top ten, and they still finished there because they got up and kept going. And there was so much carnage behind them. Like, I think Hayden, right, mile... I want to say 80. He was riding number two until, yeah. yeah, until 80 and then just started kind of falling apart a little bit. Yeah. Still got up and finished like a yeah. valiant effort from him after going out so hard. Uh, but biggest takeaway, don't give up. Yeah. Be patient early on. You can come back from feeling like death. Yeah. I did it twice out there. And right. actually when I when I dropped out of Michigan Bluff, I felt okay. Like I wouldn't say I felt good. Um, just not like you could go 45 more months yeah Yeah. i didn't at at that point it was like okay uh i don't know if i'll make it back to western states but i'm 29 years old and i think i'm gonna have some really good shots in the future and also if i'm out here for 30 hours i'm pushing my body when it's already sick like what is that gonna mean for the rest of the year like i i was already starting to think in my mind like what do i want to do the rest of the year can I save my body? I can't really salvage this performance besides maybe crossing the finish line at hour 28 yeah, or something. And I've been, when I dropped out, I'd already been walking the last like 10 miles before yeah. that. So don't give up, stay patient. You can come back when you feel like crap in an ultra. It's like yeah. keep putting down your nutrition, your liquids, your electrolytes. And I was still pounding those even when I was feeling, as oh, long as my God. stomach was able to take it when I was walking, I was, slamming back as much as i could yeah. which is probably why i finished feeling okay-ish okay, yeah. you know did you go with the same we can just briefly talk about this but did you go with the same nutrition plan morton pretty I, much or I did tried. you start too in solids i tried uh morton unfortunately i i'm realizing with morton that when it gets hot i just can't take the taste of it yeah, it's yeah. not a thirst quenching right. drink it's just uh, like a sugary kind of yeah it's just sweet taste and that's it. It doesn't taste much. bad and it doesn't taste yeah, good. Yeah. You know, just when nothing. it's when it's cold, it's okay, it goes down easy. When it's hot, it's like you need like something to chase it with. Yeah. And that was actually towards the early part of the race, I was getting really fatigued of drinking it already, yeah, like at mile twenty. Right. Uh so probably here, the same way people get fatigued from gels and like I can't take another gel. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just that feeling. It's weird. Yeah. So the rest of the way I was mix I was still drinking Morton, but I was mixing in goo, yeah. uh, Roctane. Like I would take a yeah. sip of Morton, a sip of goo. And then when I was walking, I actually ate like three Stroop waffles. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just so took that good. from the station. I was like, you know what? Like I was actually getting hungry cause I'd been out there like 12 hours. I was like, I'm walking right now. I could probably eat anything and yeah. be fine. And yeah. so I just grabbed like a handful of those and stuck them in my shorts and yeah. went on with it. <laughs> so you learned a, you learned a lot of lessons and it's good. So 
the big question i mean i think that everyone wants to know is like what's next with with specifically with western states like i mean i know but like what do you have do you have a target to go back uh to get another golden ticket or to get an, at least another qualifier or what or what's the plan there going back to bandera going back to bandera yeah i i home turf i want to conquer western states when i say conquer i mean like yeah. have a have a performance good. i feel positive coming yeah. out with because there are there's lots of other stuff in the trail world that right. i still want to go out and do i mean watching utmb it's crazy it is it was amazing one of the things i was going to mention just a second ago when you were talking about not um giving up is one of the stories from utmb this year uh actually it was the ccc i think scotty hawker Mm-hmm. Like just, I don't know if you watched the, that race, but he just grinded out. Like, I think he moved up from like twentieth to second. Crazy, crazy. Like, yeah. just just uh, continuing to grind because you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, that's a race that, man. Every time I watch that and see photos, and Hayden goes over there like every year, so I mm-hmm. see his photos, and I'm like, oh man, that would be insane. It would do. be really cool. So that's on the bucket list. That. The Golden Trail Series. It's like yeah. a series of shorter, mm-hmm. yeah. um, really, really competitive trail races Pikes over Peak in Europe. Pikes Peak Marathon is one of them. Zero Sinal, uh, or Zinal, the Z is yeah. probably the biggest one. But quite a few of those that they run like once every two weeks, basically, like mm-hmm. anywhere from like, it seems like 20 to 30 miles. Kind yeah. of that distance is pretty standard. Like some of that, it'd be fun to do a season of that in Europe. Right. Um, do you plan to target or attempt another hundred miler before Western States or do you want Western States to be like your first hundred miler? No, I'm, I want to Western States to be the first yeah. hundred miles takes so much out of you, yeah. you know? And so you want it to be I'd like- rather get more racing experience on the trails. It's like this fall I've already lined up, um, three races before Bandera all on the trails, two of them ultras, one of them a half marathon, uh, and you can't do that when you're doing a hundred miler, yeah. you know, I guess you could do some tune-ups for the hundred, but, um, nah, right now I don't think there's any other hundreds in there out there in the U S that are motivating me quite like Western States yeah, does for sure. And talking about the future, I want to be back at the U S Olympic marathon trials. Yeah. So you're not uh, done with the roads. I'm not. No, I'm definitely not done with the roads. Yeah. I don't know if I will spend like multiple years focused on the roads at any point. Yeah. Maybe I come back and I run 208 and i'm all of a sudden like very incentivized to keep running the roads but yeah. that's right that's very unlikely right uh 208 yeah i mean that puts you in in uh like the conversation with noah Drotty and some of yeah well guys. that's what it would take to actually make like running on the roads like financially yeah. viable you sure. know i've run 214 but that doesn't mean i'm getting paid to show up and run at boston or yeah. winning a significant amount of prize money like right. it would have to be truly from the heart like yeah. i want to run the roads yeah. still um, but when you start to be very competitive on the roads or trails, the financial incentives change. Yeah. Um, especially if that's something you want to move towards being like a true professional yeah. athlete. And that's something I want to aspire to continue doing if yeah. I can. And that was what Bandera opened the door a little bit more on the trails for me. Right. Signing with Nike trail this past spring because I want to, you know, keep expanding on that. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I know that everyone is excited to follow the journey um, and has been asking me even uh, as I'm as I'm out running with people in the community. Hey, hey what's Ryan doing? Like, is he going to, you know, run something, you know, else to go to 
uh, to Western States again. And so I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are excited to hear this update and how, how it went, but also like what's next. So, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been exciting to follow along. And I know that, um, I know that you got a lot of other good runs and races in you, uh, in the future. So I'm hoping it's so. going to be fun to follow. So, but, um, yeah, any, any last thoughts about your Western States experience or, uh, you just oh, ready to get going again? I'd encourage everybody like get out there and spectate it one year if you can. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful out there in California, especially Lake Tahoe area where the race starts. Yeah. You can make a little vacation out of it. And then following the race, I think the tough part is the coverage is great online, yeah. Twitter, or now they have the live feed that they did this past year, but for the first 60 miles of the course, there's no cell service. So you wouldn't really be able to follow the race right. online, but you would be out there in person. It's so like being yeah. at Robinson flat for a couple hours at mile 30, seeing everyone come through tightly packed, um, forest Hill mile 62. Like yeah. that's the most rocking aid station right. in the U S any ultra. I would encourage people to go out there and just be part of that atmosphere and the community out there at least once. It's fun. If you're a trail runner, ultra runner, part of that community. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope to get out there next year. So especially if you're going again, you know, Heck get yeah. out there. It didn't quite work out with uh, all my life updates this year, but um, but I'm looking forward to, to the future. So thank you everyone for listening along and um, hope you enjoyed this episode, this recap of Western States and Ryan's experience. And uh, please follow us on Instagram. I'm Tempo Talks Aaron. Ryan's Ryan Miller 34 and uh, connect with us let us know how things are going in your world and uh, we're excited to be back releasing regularly scheduled episodes so um yeah just look for uh for more content to come in the future but we appreciate you listening along and hope everyone has a great day y'all are awesome